And Lord, we thank you for this man and his family. And we just appreciate you, Ryan. We love you. Thank you for the word in his heart. Thank you for his genuine care and love for us. And uh, we receive the word today. May it come with power and grace and truth and life. Amen. Amen. Just keep playing, just keep playing, just keep playing. Just, wanna, just before, thanks, Bess. Just keep playing. Ludo turned us off, please. Ludo is excited to come listen to the word, but I just wanted to <laughs> just keep playing. I remember when I first came to faith, and I heard moments like what Sid did in honoring Garth, and where's, where's Yanis? Sure, yeah, there's Yanis. Nice green shirt, how could I miss that? And I, as a young man, just go, oh. I want to stand strong one day. You might be sitting here, look at James. Look at Don. No, 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 not getting you to stand up, don't worry. Someone, we saw him last night. And someone said, gosh, you're looking so much like your father. You know what happens in an atmosphere like this, in a community like this, is that as we stay close, as the Holy Spirit does what only He can do, He is the fathering Spirit. As He begins to shape us to be the, the leaders that the world needs. I look at the AU, Kukulun, just sitting, growing up in a, Christian family, a pioneering family that leaves shores to Ireland from one green to another green, a greener green, you know, in Ireland. Church planting family. This young man, there's not much that he cannot do. I know that's the song that we sing of the Lord. Our God is so big. But I tell you, this young guy, he applies his mind. It's in this atmosphere that we are shaped to be the men, the women, the people God's made us to be. So I just wanted to say that, Lord, let the shaping of your spirit be upon all of our hearts and all of our lives. The greatness of God is not seen in the global expansionism of industry and empire. The greatness of God is seen in this. Yet I'm always with you. This is what Taryn read. And you hold me by your right hand. And you guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth is nothing I desire but you. You give life. You give love. You bring light to the darkness. You bring hope. You restore every heart that is broken. This is the greatness of God on display. This is the shaping of our Father in this day. And Lord, would you shape us in the name of Jesus? Do not shape us with the, the, the expansionist hand of industry and empire, but with the, the hand of the loving Father who guides gently and mercifully and tenderly. And Lord, those that have received the harsh hand, the calloused hand of the world, of industry and empire that is bruised and battered hearts here today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, God the Spirit, that you are the, the fathering Spirit and that you are tenderly transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well done to the worship team. Absolutely outstanding. Can we give it up for the, sorry, the music team, Greg, the music team. <laughs> we um, we um, subtly receive, um, not so subtle, subtly receive not so subtle rebukes from our dear beloved Greg Nixon, who reminds us that we are all the worship team and this is the music team and it is absolutely correct. We receive that. It's the truth. Thank you for reminding us, my bud. You're a great dad, biologically. You're a great dad, spiritually. And we bless you. If you are here for the first time, it's my great privilege to welcome you. My name is Ryan. Why don't you just lift your hands in the air and wave them around like you just don't care. Yes, lift them up high, please. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Is that Stanley? Good to see you, my friend. Keep your hands up. We just want to bless you. It's great to have you at Freedom House. And uh, we want to hang out with you afterwards. My name is Ryan. Happy Father's Day, dads. If we uh, didn't get a, a bag of bultong, sorry, man. Sorry. I think they devoured already. But happy Father's Day to every dad in the house. And that's not just a, a biological father, but those that have mentored and coached and invested. You know, in this, in this room, I have my biological father. Uh, lift up your hand, daddy. Love you so much. Just so appreciate your relentless passion and care for me. And he's helped shape who I am to be the person I am today. But in this room, many of you have fathered me, whether you know it or not, because the spirit of fathering is not about age. There are times where Wayne Duncan has just come alongside and encouraged me. There are times where, I don't have tires here, but there, there was a moment sitting outside Mirsai where I was desperate. I'd given up in a particular area and he just spoke steel into me. That's what it looks like. There are times when Nick Graham has gripped me uh, and there's, there's only one poor person that calls me biscuit, you know, and he's just put more than biscuit in me, you know, and there was a moment where I got together with Baz and I just said, Baz, I, I think it was in the middle of COVID. So I think many of you will witness this where I just thought that's it. I'm, I don't know. I'm clueless. And he just burst out laughing, you know, and encouraged my soul. The truth of the matter is we father and shape each other in various ways, whether biologically or spiritually. So God, keep teaching us, keep shaping us, keep growing us in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. amen. Okay. I have the great privilege of speaking God's words today. Do you know how terrifying that is? Uh, I grow um, more terrified by this responsibility weekly, if not daily. When I was, I, I'm approaching 25 years of quotes paid by the church ministry. And just to clarify, every single one of us, the moment we are, are followers of Christ, we are in God's ministry. Barry, isn't that true? It's every single one of us, okay? But then God says, listen, you've studied Bachelor of Commerce, uh, but I want you to give your life to this. And um, that's what happened nearly 25 years ago, which was quite daunting. And in those early years, maybe until only recently, Wes, there's a sense of bravado that you have. I can do this. You know, I know what's potting. You know, that's a little bit of Hebrew and Greek mixed up in that statement. They all know how to do this thing. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. And then we go to the United Kingdom. You think you know what you're doing. I want you to know the more I'm walking with the Lord, the greater sense of humility. And the more I get to speak week in and week out, whether in this form or many others, 
It is the absolute truth that if it, it's only by the grace, the mercy, and the power of God, and all we get to do is in humility and courage position our hearts for God to use us. Amen. So God, thank you for your word today. Uh, do great things in Jesus' mighty name. So it's Father's Day, and we are in a, an unfolding series. Check, they're rocking it out there in kids' ministry. Anybody want to join? Should we all go and join? Hey, let's go. Keeks, so quick to put up your hand there, man. We are in an unfolding series on understanding the nature of the kingdom of God. And now, most specifically, in the last little while, we are looking at the identity. Say identity. Thank you. The identity of the church, God himself, in Christ, by the Spirit, has identified with a collective of people that don't have it all together. It's us, the bride of Christ, the body of Jesus on the earth today. And we are being shaped by all manner of things. Social media, uh, what dot, dot, dot. We are shaped by the cultural winds of the day. And at this time, there is a growing sense, everybody, that Christ, the head of the church, is coming back to take a hold of us with such gentleness that we would look more like Jesus week after week than the cultural winds of the day. Amen? And our endeavor through this preaching series is simply this. Oh God, would we look in our identity more like Jesus? what he has called us to, who he is in our lives. After we look at identity, we're going to look at our authority as the church and advancing the kingdom and then ultimately the mission. But identity is critical. Oftentimes, you know, we want people on Mission Monday because tomorrow is not Manic Monday, all right? It's um, Mission Monday and we walk into the spheres of influence and we expect people to charge into battle and yet... They can't even limp across the line in many respects because identity has been so undermined by the cultural winds of the day, by our own upbringing, by the influences all around us. And we want to achieve for God, but on that journey, He wants to deeply move, Luke, into the areas of our lives to bring healthy, free identity where we look like Jesus. And last week, I mentioned how Jesus himself had the rushing voice of heaven over him. This is my son whom I love and him I am well pleased. After 30 years of being bombarded, of being bombarded with the word, Mumzer, you're a bastard, you're a bastard. That's what it means, by the way. I'm not swearing, and it's not a swear word. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bold word. And in the midst of 30 years of being shaped by people's opinions and not so subtle opinions and all of that stuff, there is a divine rushing voice from heaven that shapes Christ's identity so that he can fulfill destiny on our behalf. And that's what God is doing in these times. So now, I want to take this moment. I want to take this moment. Did you hear that little baby he said, now, yes, was that yours, Kangi? I love it. like him a lot. I want to take this Father's Day to speak into some very important stuff. The title of our sermon today is We Are Family. Can you say that, please? 
That's right. You're starting, you're wanting to start to move right now. We are family, etc., 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 dot, dot, dot. And the reason why I'm wearing this shirt today is there is an F on it because we are family. Listen to what A.W. Tozer says. Listen to this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me read that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. C.S. Lewis is the wonderful contemporary in those days to Tozer. He tried to rebut him. And he said this, how God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. He's saying, hey, Tozer, cool, you got it. But how God thinks about us is even more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance except in so far as it is related to how he thinks of us. Basically, to say this, both Tozer and Lewis were saying exactly the same thing. God's determining statements and thoughts about us are the shaping reality. But in reality, how we think about Him is often related to how we think He thinks about us. Isn't that true? I want you to take a moment right now, 30 seconds, close your eyes and go, okay, who is God to me? Just think about that. Believe it or not, those are your most important thoughts. When you think about him, do you see a scowling head teacher? An angry person in your past who had influence in your life? Do you see him standing over you with a a board in his hand and a pen ticking off whether I did right or I did wrong. Do you see him as absent? Do you see him as near? As Toza said, our view of God, our thoughts about God are our most important thoughts. And on this Father's Day, everybody, I have great news for you. That he is better than you could ever imagine. He is better than you could ever imagine. I want to read a few scriptures to you and then present a scenario and we'll be done. John chapter 1 verse 12 to 13 says this, Yet to all who did receive him, that's Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent. Children born not of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. In Christ, friends, when we stumble into Him, we, we stumble into this whole backlog of our history 
of what it means to be a Matthews or a Graham or, or, or a Munsami or a, whatever it may be. We have all of this stuff behind us. But when we come to Christ, when we become a Jesus follower, something inexorably changes in our lives. You're much more than a Matthews. You're much more than a Livingston. You're much more than a Sparks. You're a child of the living God. And it is that reality that surpasses all things. One of my friends recently has been saying this over and over to me and others behind the scenes. Yes, we are friends, but we are more than friends. We are brothers and sisters. Because when we come to Christ, everybody, no matter whether it was natural descent or of human decision, natural descent, oh, this is my lineage. You know, we often, mum, I don't know if this is like a, an old wives' tale or a little folk uh, law, um, like spinning lie that revolves in our history. But apparently, one of our ancestors was burned to the stake for being a witch. Now, that's really cool to even think about. You know, maybe a couple hundred years ago, there was someone who was burnt to the stake, in the, you know, on, on whatever side. What is it? Whether it's good or bad, but something happens to us in Christ that no matter what good or even bad, it surpasses all of that. Oh, I come, Ryan, with a great legacy and of natural descent. Well, in Christ, he surpasses all of that by being a child of God. Oh, Ryan, you have no idea what's in my history. Such dark and doomsday details. I want you to know, no matter what is in your shadows, Christ shines a light and surpasses all of that because we are children of God. We are family. Listen to this. John 17, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you have granted Him authority over all people, that He, ha he may give eternal life to those you have given Him. Now this is eternal life, to get fire insurance eternally and get out of Dodge. No, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Who's Jesus talking to? Papa God, Abba. Eternal life is not to tick the box of an altar call and get eternal fire insurance and get the heck out of Dodge. No, eternal life, according to Jesus, is knowing the Father. Woo! Knowing the Father. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, and I have brought glory to you on earth by finishing the work. Finishing the work, had Jesus gone to the cross yet? No, finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is the work that Jesus had to be faithful to. I have revealed you. All that Jesus was doing in destroying darkness, forgiving sin, healing the sick, raising the dead, turning the other cheek, the list goes on and on and on. His single task, friends, was to reveal the Father. Jesus was the perpetual Father's day. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them. That's those who would come to believe beyond the, that initial 
a, a number of disciples. I pray, he's praying for us, by the way. That's what I'm trying to say. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory, the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I and them and you and me, and so that they may, may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Did you hear that? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I just want you to think, not Lantla, I want you to think of that right now. You've been through some challenging times, haven't you? But right now you can sit, rest assured that no matter what circumstances surround you, there is a love that surpasses it all, which is this. The same love, Father speaking, that I have for Jesus is the love I have for you. And that goes for every single person here. Can you say this after me, if you wouldn't mind? Today, I realize that I am loved by the Father. As the Father loves the Son, so He loves me. When we get this reality, it is a complete game changer. There's a reason I'm saying this. Hebrews 2 verse 10 says this, dear friends, Jesus and bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation. That's Jesus perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy. Who's that? Jesus both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy. Who's that? That's us. So what the author is saying is Jesus and Jesus followers, dot, 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 are of the same family. We are family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them. That's you. That's me. He's not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Wow. Dave Shaw, one day in heaven, you and me, we're going to be standing there and our older brother Jesus is not going to talk about our love and our passion for music. He's going to put his arm around us and he's going to shout out and let it reverberate throughout all creation. I'm not ashamed to call Dave Shaw my little brother. And then he will say, everybody, I'm not ashamed to call Ryan Oliver Matthews my little brother, my little sister, whoever it is, York, my little brother. Not ashamed. Why? Because this, friends, is and has always been the eternal plan of Father in heaven. That those who be became estranged from him through rebellion, wickedness, and sin would be restored back to him. Not as slaves, not as servants, and more than friends, but family. 
Did you hear that? Not as slaves, not even as servants, and even more than friends, but family. That, friends, is the little progression I want to tell you about today. Slaves who become servants, servants who become friends, and friends who become family. Many of us, in our understanding of who God is, if we see Him as a master dishing out details for us to fulfill, we will always only live out our lives as servants to His bidding. I want to say this, that when you become a Jesus follower, we are always, always following the voice of the Father, even as Jesus, who was the perfect, only begotten Son, would listen and do what He saw the Father doing. But His paradigm of relationship was not servant and master. What is your paradigm of relationship? Is it servant and master? Or is it, as you'll see just now, one of friend only? I want you to know something. That the way we see him uh, determines, excuse me, how we relate to him. So look at this. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, excuse me. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, sins when you followed the ways of the world with its corrupt desires leading you. Before we came to faith, every single one of us were slaves to sin. We were maybe wealthy slaves to sin, clever slaves to sin, well-groomed slaves to sin, but either way, we were slaves to sin. Whether wealthy or not, every single one of us slaves to sin. And it says in that same text and, and elsewhere, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even while we were dead in our transgressions and sin. The only thing, the only variation in our slavery was the extent of our slavery. Some of us were more dead than others by the way that we exhibited our slavery to sin. And in Afrikaans, you know it. That one it says, hey, hey, you know that one? It says this, excuse me to my, my Pomalanga family here. Do it. Morse, do it. And as I learned from a good Afrikaner, so uh, forgive me if this is naughty, Morse, do it, gefrek. In our slavery to sin, there were degrees of the expression and the decay of it. Some you would have to come really close to, sm- to smell the decay. Others you would be in several feet away. You go, yo, that guy, that guy, yo, yo, or that girl. But regardless, you break the law once, you're a lawbreaker. But Christ delivered us in the midst of our decay and our stench of sin. And immediately we, we became Christ followers. John 15 Imagine, let me just say this, imagine, imagine this. We get saved and we live with this paradigm. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Many Christians, maybe some people here, have such an over or under-realized view of what God has done for them that they come to church every Sunday seeking 
recompense once again. Not realizing that when you come to Christ, you are forgiven that you are forgiven that you are forgiven. And there are so many believers walking around with a millstone around their necks. I've given my life to Jesus, but has he forgiven me? Imagine relating to the God of all creation with that paradigm. If we could see in the spirit, many of those believers, we would see them crawling into church with such a guilt complex. Will God receive me again? And they come into worship and, and we sing these worship songs and we listen to the preacher, whomever is preaching. We go, if I could only be like that free, the devil has twisted your view of God. You are not a, you're not a slave anymore. You're not even a primarily a sinner anymore. We have these phrases like sinner saved by grace. Where is that in the Bible? It's not there. Our default sitting, setting is not sin, sin, sin or slavery to sin. No, our default setting is Christ and what he has achieved on our behalf. We definitely not sinners saved by grace. We are now saints. Who happen to sin from time to time. And may that decrease in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, keep praying for me. <laughs> but our orientation is saint. The scriptures are clear. We run boldly into God's presence. Unashamed. If we live with a slavery mentality... We crawl. We crawl up to the cross. And like I've learned over the last little while, the more that you walk with Jesus, like Paul, Paul had this beautiful understanding of his freedom in his heart, but the more that he walked with Paul day after day, year after year, decade after decade, he became increasingly aware of his need for God increasingly aware of his need for the continuous grace of God, but he never for one moment lived with a paradigm of slavery to sin. If there was any slavery mentality, it was Christ Jesus bond slave mentality, which is this, I am free, but I choose in my heart to give myself over why am I grabbing my ear? Because a bondservant would take an awl and they would pin it as a sign that they are free people, but they are giving themselves over to another greater, greater destiny. So maybe you've progressed. Is this making sense yet? Friends, John 15 says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Interesting. So, so friends, you know, friendship nowadays is so loose. If something goes wrong, you know. You are my friends if you do what I command. And my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. 
For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give, give you. This is my command, love each other. So imagine this, cool. We're not operating with a sin slave mentality, but maybe you're operating with a servant mentality. All I'm here to do is only do God's bidding. And we, we crawl into his presence and we say, Almighty God, you are the master of all things. You are the true master of the universe. If you're an 80s child and you know He-Man and Skeletor are not, and you say, tell me what to do. I will do thy bidding in the name of Jesus. And it sounds so pious. And yet you walk in like a servant and you walk out like a servant. And all he wants to do is grab you and say, you are, but you're my friend. I want to talk to you. And in John 15, he says, if you begin to partake in this thing called heaven's love, you're not a servant because the difference between a servant and a friend is that the father, come here, kooky. He doesn't say, hey, you know, do press ups and you do press ups. Jump, jump. Ah, ah, ah. No, no, no. He puts his arm around you and he says, this is what we do. He shares his heart. God wants to share his heart with us. Thank you, my bud. His heart of friendship. And intimacy, this is what I'm doing in these times. Not only does he want us to follow him, not only does he want us to, yes, serve him, but he wants to share his heart with us in friendship and intimacy. But friends, this is John 15. There is an even greater progression. John 20, and I'm nearly done. And you're going, praise the Lord. <laughs> Slaves to sin? No. Are we merely servants and we stop there? Yes, we're servants, but we're more than servants. We're servants who are friends. But guess what? It's, it gets better. John 20. Jesus asked Mary, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener? Interesting. Here is King Jesus who still carries the heart and the posture of a servant, but he's so much more. We can still have the heart and the posture of a servant, but we are so much more. That's beautiful. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus says, said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead. Now look at this. This is what a follower of Jesus is meant to have. You're a servant, but with a different paradigm through which you see servant. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. This is profound. He is changing the way that we are meant to see him and see ourselves. We were once sinners, slaves to sin, and he came and he redeemed us. And then we started following us, 
him as servants, but he's constantly changing our view by the Spirit. His heart expressed, you're not just a servant, you're a friend. You remain with the heart of a servant, you're a friend. But guess what? You're more than just friends. You are brothers and sisters with Jesus before the eternal Father in heaven. And that, friends, look at the progression. We start here. Oh, I was such a dirty, rotten, scoundrel sinner. I'll just serve God. Yay. And then he breaks into our hearts and we go, I'm not just a servant, I'm a friend. And then the ultimate, the mountaintop pinnacle of what it means to follow God is this. I'm family. We are family. And just because we're family doesn't mean that we ever forget the fact that we were scallywags. I was a scallywag. Were you a scallywag? Yes, you were. I'm sure you were a scallywag. I'll never forget that. But I look at it through the redemptive lenses of, of all of these increasing understandings. I'm family. I'm friend. I'm servant. Way before I'm a scallywag. Are you with me? I close with this. Shaba. Mr. Loverman. <laughs> Many of us have made justification the pinnacle of salvation. What do I mean by that? Justification literally means just as, I, as if I had never sinned. And we make that the pinnacle. If we make justification the pinnacle of salvation, how do we see God? As a righteous judge. Because sin needs to be judged. But if you remain at this place of only ever understanding that God is judge, and I am the one who is being judged and acquitted of sin, how do we see Jesus? The one who has worked magic on my behalf, so to speak, to have me acquitted of all the wickedness of, uh, that I've done. And we develop a mentality that God alone is judge. I have been accused in the past and now acquitted of my sin. And the environment in which I live is a courtroom. This is J.R. Packer, by the way, not Ryan Matthews. If we set up camp in a courtroom, we develop a legal, forensic understanding of God, life, love, and the universe. Make no mistake, any follower of Christ will come into the courtroom where our hearts are laid bare by the eternal judge, God himself, and Jesus Christ in his perfect work, acquits us as we bind ourselves to him but friends we are never meant to set up camp in a courtroom Jesus is the door as you all know and the very one who has paid the price uh, Jesus Christ and the eternal judge who declares over us you are free of sin Ryan is the very one who is waiting on the other side and this is where we are meant 
to, to, to set up camp, not in a courtroom, but in the family living room with the Father who receives us into His everlasting embrace where Jesus is on the, the one knee. And, and forgive me if this offends you. And Ryan and all of you are sitting on the other knee and He's putting His arms around His Son, our older brother, and we are accepted into His family. This is it. Most Christians in their their view of God is God is judge. But I don't know about you, but Jesus said repeatedly, I'm showing whom? The Father. The Father. Our Father who's in heaven. And if we live in the courtroom, we live with self-critique that is beyond conviction. I want to just say this publicly, repeatedly. Conviction is a gift. Repentance is a gift. But when we live with a forensic lens, we walk before God with a checklist. Am I doing enough to appreciate and live in His favor? And we live with this view of God as if He is scowling, looking over, peering over His newspaper or His laptop or His tablet, looking to pull out, yes, an Apple Apple Mac, to pull out where we are falling short. And we live with that in our own lives. And guess what? How do we know? We live with that with ourselves and others. If we're living with a disproportionate self-critique, it will manifest in how we exhibit in our relationships, how we see other people in our relationships. Our deepest thoughts about God and ourselves are often reflected in how we deal with other people. If you find that you live in uh, uh, ongoing critique of others, there's a good chance you're living with a self-critique. If you exhibit that with people around you, you're not doing enough. There's a good chance that that's how you think God sees you. You're living in the courtroom. A legalized view. But God, in Christ, has called us to be His family. And in the family, we always know that we are redeemed. We always know that sin is our enemy. We always know that rebellion is coming to tempt us. We know that. But we live with this family feel and affection. We hugs and embraces are part and parcel with walking with God. Where yes, we see him as holy, holy, holy. And he always puts his hand on us and he says, my darling, Taryn, there's no need to fear. Come stand, John, before the revelator. We are family with God. And today on Father's Day, he's reminding you and he's reminding me that he's called us into the intimacy and the affection of walking as family, with hearts of servants, with willingness of friends, but in the environment of family. That's what it means to celebrate Father's Day. And maybe here today you're thinking, gosh, Ryan, you're really pressing on some stuff here. I've only ever seen God as judge. Well, I'm so thankful God is my judge and that Jesus is my advocate, but I walk with him 
as a father would walk with a son. Today is an opportunity for God to increase his embrace around you and unfold his family arms around you and bring you into a new level of intimacy today, this Father's Day. Shall we stand together, please? Because I'd love to pray. Has this made sense? Bass. Okay, we're just going to pray, just chatting with the people up front here. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. Romans 8, Galatians 4, your name is the spirit of adoption. I wish we had time to go into that, maybe next week, the week thereafter. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are moving upon our hearts. Today we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you came upon our lives with great conviction and you exposed the brokenness of our sin and rebellion and you turned our hearts towards Jesus who stood in the courtroom as our advocate and God, who is the righteous judge, declared over us you are justified because you are in Christ. But I thank you, precious Holy Spirit, that whilst justification is the foundation, it is merely the beginning, and that you call us and you are calling us as Freedom House into ever-increasing degrees of understanding, friendship with God, and ultimately the pinnacle, the, the true thing that you've called us to, that we would be family with you and whether people know it or not we are family with you this is my prayer today lord on this father's day that it wouldn't be theory it would be reality in the name of jesus so if you wouldn't mind just comfortably lifting your hands up what i mean by that is sometimes when they're high in the air they get a bit tired and this is what i release over every single one of us in the name of jesus that god the spirit of adoption would marinate the Father and the Son's love upon your heart in the name of Jesus. That all fear, that all trepidation would melt in the name of Jesus. And where people are walking into church or walking into scenarios with their heads down, there's no need to have your head down as if it is pious. We pray, Lord, for the beaming joy of sons and daughters with Father because the Father looks upon us with such delight, such joy, such acceptance. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. And we speak that over every person's heart and mind in the name of Jesus. That even as Hudson Taylor embraced what he had to embrace or what we are embracing, it does not separate us from the love of the Father in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I declare over Freedom House wave upon wave of marinating affection, of tender love and kindness in Jesus' mighty name, I declare it over every person in this place and that you would 
set afresh a repositioned heart to understand I am loved, that I am loved, that I am loved. I want you to say that with me. I am loved, that I am loved, that I am loved. I am loved, that I am loved, that I am loved. The Father loves me. The Father loves me. The Father loves me. I declare that over you in the name of Jesus. You are loved sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, we cherish you. Lord, I bless Freedom House. Today, I bless you in the name of Jesus this Father's Day to know that you are loved by the Father with the very love that he has for the Son. In Jesus' name, amen.